All right. We're we're recording because our conversations before the show are so good. They are usually better than the show. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> So, but I usually cuss before the show, so you cuss before. I kind of yeah, I kind of tone it down for the show because my producer Shane there is is um, making up for all his past sins as a Division One college football player. He's trying to repent. He's trying to pay his penance to get into heaven. So, like for every time I fumbled or something or missed a tackle I'm or just, what, I, you know, all of the. I just seen where the Bills missed a kicker for for unruly underage stuff. So yeah, yeah, that's, back, that's kind of... the, the old stuff. I mean, I, I don't even know where to begin. I, you know, I was watching the, uh, and I know this ain't where we were going to begin, but I'm just jumping here. <laughs> I watched the Kurt Warner deal when I, in about, I wasn't ate up with football like a lot of people are today when I was in my twenties, you know what I mean? Because yeah, I, yeah. I yep. had other things to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember going to an office environment where 50 year old dudes were sitting around worrying about smoke breaks and who was playing football this weekend. And I remember this guy saying, you know, it was, it, it they were talking about who's going to go to the Super Bowl. It was in 99 and he was saying, well, the first time I heard Kurt Warner's name, I can tell you where I was at, right? Yeah. I was behind the office building in Jeff City, Missouri at a smoke break. So there was only one guy on our, our team that smoked. But when he would go out for smoke break, the all everybody that was in the office there in our group would all go out with him because they thought smoke breaks for, were for slackers. You know, dudes would go out to smoke. And they'd just be telling stories or holding court or just jacking around, right? Mm-hmm. So somebody said, well, hell, if he's going to tear, he's going to go out and smoke. We'll all go out and smoke. So you had one dude smoking with four or five, sometimes six other guys not smoking, standing around him. Right? That's crazy. That, that's crazy. I, you okay. know, I, just, <laughs> I, I could tell you so many crazy things that I have been involved in in my life <laughs> that I don't even know if that's even close because it had no cars, guns, or women. But it was a smoke break where only one person was smoking, and I vividly remember him saying Kurt Warner was going to be the best quarterback in the world, and I'd never heard of him. Okay, so <clears throat> I watched the Kurt Warner show last night, and it was pretty good. There was a few things that you know, is he really that good a dude, or is he that good a dude in the movie because he was the executive producer? I don't know. <laughs> well, I always heard he was a good like he came out as a good dude. He was he like stocking shelves as he was. He was working at high V. Not they always said grocery store. I didn't know until last night he was actually working at a high V in Iowa. Yeah, and like he and he married he, a, he married an older lady and adopted her kids and wasn't yep. isn't one of the kids. I don't, she older she was our age. She a couple years older than him. You know what's funny is there was a scene where his coach in college you know why he wouldn't get any play in time? He only played five games his entire college career. I didn't know that. You know why? There's a, it's, The movie starts out because the freaking coach, he wouldn't stay in the pocket. He would run out and throw. You know how they do nowadays. You know, like I yeah. told my son, who's watching me, I said, I'm glad Patrick Mahomes didn't play for that guy. Because he was <laughs> of the, of the gener- yeah. you know, you know what I'm saying? You know how it used yeah. to be. They wanted mm-hmm. you to, by God, stand in that pocket and take a hit if you had to. 
as opposed to running out. You know, there's a scene where Kurt Warner breaks out of the pocket, he throws a touchdown, and and the coach gets him and says, "You need to stay in that fucking pocket, freaking pocket, or whatever they said." And and Warner says, "You're welcome for the touchdown." And he said, "It ain't about the touchdown. It's about you staying in the pocket." <laughs> One of those guys, huh? Well, and I guess they were probably pretty common. So, needless to say, where I'm going with this whole thing is, there was some scenes with Ray Lewis, a dude that played Ray Lewis. Okay. And when I seen the guy playing Ray Lewis, I said, they could have got somebody better, because Ray Lewis is bigger than that dude, right? So, mm-hmm. that... Yeah, probably, yeah. Well, you, how, how big do you think Ray Lewis is? I think Ray Lewis is about 6'1", and probably about 245 when he was playing. That's what I guess. He's 6'1", 241 or something, I think. 241 or 242. I can spot him a mile away. And I seen that, and I was like, dude, I could have played. I'm bigger than that. Well, there's a big difference between being bigger than that and being an animal. You know? Okay. Well, and that segued into me reading about Ray Lewis murdering two guys in his white suit and it never being found. So... Did he murder the two guys, or was it two guys in his entourage? And they all well. I'm going to tell limo. you who got who got kinked up for it was the two guys in his entourage. But the clothes Ray Lewis was wearing were never found, and he had some kind of white Armani suit or something. You know that that yeah. it made a big production of him rolling in there with his suit, and his clothes were never found. The dead dude's blood was in Ray Lewis's car, meaning they figured it was transferred in on what Ray Lewis was wearing. It doesn't matter, okay? Ray Lewis got a plea deal and testified against the other two guys, and they took the hit. Now, um, did they take the hit because he said, I'll take care of you financially once you get I, out? All or? I can tell you is they were convicted of a lot worse than he was, which segued into me reading about... Aaron Hernandez. Oh, gosh. So what well, What it said was the Ravens stuck with Ray Lewis because they really weren't. I guess the old National Football League. How do I say this delicately? Okay. Don't don't say it delicately. I had, we had a fan reach out from last week and say, said, Man, why does the howler always say I'm not going to say something and make my fans mad? And he wanted us to make he, he wants you to, he wants you to say what's on your mind. I'm like, okay. Oh so anyway, I guess the, <laughs> the the NFL didn't have all the fucking criminals back in the old days as they do nowadays, or in the 2000s, the 90s and the 2000s, right? Nah, I don't think that. I think they had. Just and let me rephrase it. That maybe that's because they didn't have the social media and the internet, there you and go. camera there. phones, and all this other crap, right? There you go. There you go. <laughs> so, so basically, that story segued into there was they did a whole um, hot wash or evaluation on how the team and the NFL responded to Aaron, uh, Ray Lewis. So when it happened with Aaron Hernandez, he was dumped within fifteen minutes, literally. <laughs> within 15 minutes of, of it coming down. Well, if you get into the Aaron Hernandez story, he, there, there was, it was a lot. crazy stuff. There There's a, a lot, lot to unpack there. Yeah. There was a lot leading up to, I mean, I think he would have been, he might've been on his way out sooner or later anyway, because he was just nuts. I mean, he just was, 
He was so, he was I don't unhinged. Even know where I was going with this. I read that story about that Buffalo Bills kicker getting jammed up yesterday. Now he was released today. Mm-hmm. And and I watched the Kurt Warner show. I was reading about the Buffalo Bills kicker as I was watching the Kurt Warner show. And it was like those two were from two different planets. <laughs> True. True. Yeah. And maybe right. it's because Kurt Warner didn't start his movie, you know, about his life until he was the his last five games of his senior year in high in college, right? Yeah, I, I think that yeah, they're two different people for sure, from two different from two different. Uh, um, so tell me about life. the movie you watched. So and and I and I kind of ask you about this. So there's a uh, there's a really cool um, series of uh, documentaries on Netflix called Untold. Um, the first one I watched, and you were a little puzzled, was about the rise and fall of the brand And One. Because I don't remember it. And One was started by three guys that were in the Wharton Business School who didn't really want to go. Which is where President Trump went. Go ahead. Is, is it? Okay. Well, um, <laughs> <laughs> geez, Sal. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, that Jack, if you're trying to talk. Can I edit that out? I just wanted to say his name in this every from from now on. I'm always going to say his his name in a podcast. So I should say Nixon. So I should mention Richard Nixon. I don't. I don't. I don't care. I just. I just. It's the number one. Didn't you see it was the number one uh, topic of the news the last four years? It's the number one stated name. I mean, we get more mileage out of saying President Trump's name than. Anybody else? Uh, anyway, so these three guys decided they didn't want to work on Wall Street or in, in banking and stuff, but they all love basketball. So they started, um, and you, and this is a similar conversation you and I have had numerous times. They came up with twenty. They they played they played uh, pickup basketball out on the playgrounds a lot. So they came up with twenty different trash talking sayings. Okay. That they could put on T-shirts, so they started. I love it. Yeah, so they started putting it like you know, hey, um, I don't know, I'm afraid. like uh, call me In the bus face, dr- something. Call, uh-huh. No, like call me the bus driver because I'm going to take you to school, stuff like that. So they so they started making these T-shirts. They started selling them out of the trunk of their car. Pretty soon, you know, some of the um, and I don't know, it wasn't Dicks, but it was like Foot Locker and them started carrying them and. One thing led to another. They started, they became an actual viable uh, player in the game of sports merchandise. Um, And their first ill step was, though, that they decided they wanted to get into making shoes because that was it. You say ill step? Ill step. Their first ill step they took was it. And they signed Stefan Marbury out of uh, college. Never heard of him. Who was he? Stefan Marbury. Yeah. Come on, you got it. Come on. He went to I, Georgia Tech. Was huge. Was huge. Like number four pick in the NBA. Whatever it was. Long did story he make short, it? what happened what, to him? Oh yeah, he was really he was really good in the pros, and then he's played in China. He's like huge in China right now. Um, but you're talking like this is he, he got he got drafted back in the early nineties. So, and I think he's still playing in China. But anyway. 
his first game wearing their shoes, he breaks his ankle. So they're like, oh, crap, we're screwed. And it kind of told how they pivoted off of that on, on what they could do um, and could, you know, and kind of comp- do something that Nike could because Nike was the people was their competition. So they started that street ball, the and one street ball, which became huge. So they took basically the street ball and kind of organized it and went, took it on tour. It was at one time the highest uh, ranking television show on ESPN. They did a live uh, or they did a kind of like a, um, a real world type of thing around the street ball. They were trying to, um, you know, find the next person. So anyway, it just kind of chronicled the rise and fall of, of and one. It was kind of interesting. I'm like, man, these are, this is a good documentary. So what fell up? What, I mean, what, 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 I don't want to give it, you know, I don't want to give it. It's just like they got into the point where they were so huge. They were num. They got back in the shoes. They were number two behind Nike again. And Nike just basically wanted to get rid of them. So Nike did their own street ball commercial and it totally overnight sank their shoe sales. And so these guys, despite the fact of the popularity of, I mean, cause they had got, I mean, there were, there were guys that were, they would tour the country and well-known street ballers and they would play people in towns and stuff. And, uh, basically just pulled the rug out from underneath of them all. And, and these guys that owned the company sold it while it was still worth something. They saw, saw the writing on the wall, the shoe sales were going to sink. So it's very interesting, you know, because you and I talk on a, semi uh weekly basis about what kind of merch can we come up with <laughs> it's uh, and it was very it's it very inspirational though to see how these guys uh, and obviously they were smart guys you know took this idea and to do something around something they loved and were successful for a while you know but that led me to the next one which a lot of people have been talking about was the manti Teo thing and and you kind of said, like Christy, she didn't even know who Manti Teo was, and and wait, well, I think that's because rest. they didn't. I mean, he kind of nobody touched him after that, right? Well, he played in the pros. He got drafted and played in the pros for seven, eight years. Oh, he did. Yeah, he did. He just wasn't. He kept getting injured. He had bad feet or something. But it was stunning. And like, see, here's what blew me away: is Christy sat there watching this with me totally naive to the fact that that this happens all the time i can't even count on one hand between my instagram account and the from the shadows podcast instagram account of all the people catfishing you know they're they're you mean they're sending you dms or something or what well they sent you know like they're they're hey how's it going and it's people you know it's fake profiles pretend to be somebody else and ultimately yes yeah uh-huh. they, they're asking for money and stuff and and uh, nita our uh, social media she keeps good tabs on them and sometimes i'll get a hold of them and we'll just mess with them you know we'll just mess with the people <laughs> and it just for i mean for fun just to uh just to string them along think them you're, you're going to send them money or something like that but uh it, but it was i just couldn't believe that she didn't She's like, well, how's this person not in jail? Like, they didn't do anything wrong. They didn't do anything illegal. 
you know? So, but it was unbelievable. I strongly suggest everybody watch that Manti Teo one. Um, that even vaguely. This is what I couldn't understand. Is how for three years he had a girlfriend and never saw her. Like, because where did you go to college at? He went to Notre Dame, and this girl, and I'm using air quotes, was supposedly in California, and he was from Hawaii. So there was really no reason or way for him to really get to California unless they played there. And the one time they did play there. Um, now, now back back up there for a second, okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did not have the illustrious college football career that you had. Okay. I did not. Okay. For okay. various mm-hmm. reasons, I just did not. Okay. I had a friend of mine that did. Yeah. Okay. And then maybe this is because it was before the virtual world or whatever. But there was broads beating on the door of his dorm all the time. Real ones. <laughs> I have to drive to California or whatever. You know what I mean? Well, listen, Manti Teo was a very interesting person. He was very religious. He was was very religious. He was he was a Mormon. And he was Well that means far it means he's just good at sneaking around. (laughs) Look, I can only go I mean, don't he gotta go out for two years and witness and everything? Ah, uh, is that, I don't know. Is that only don't good? Don't they? I mean, you can't tell me. I mean, there was some Mormon girls used to come and witness in my neighborhood in Minneapolis all the time. And, and 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 it got to where I just knew when they were coming around because I was one of the few people that didn't run them off. And, you know, and I took their pamphlets. They talked to my, you know, people. I, I, I don't know, man. I'm going to stop now before I upset I'm just, I just, I, look, I would just say just watch it. Just I'm gonna it. watch it. Yeah, it's it's a two part. It's it's kind of it's it's very eye opening, but then that followed up with another one about a minor league hockey team called the Danbury Trashers, which I had never heard of, knew nothing about. But they were in Danbury, Connecticut, and the guy that bought them was supposedly. The guy that Tony Soprano was based off of. Okay. And he bought it and gave it or put his 17-year-old son in charge of it because he just suffered. He had just suffered an injury um, in high school and couldn't play hockey anymore. And it was off the chain, the best, most exciting documentary uh, about sports that I've seen in a long time. It was fantastic. It was fantastic. These guys, they called themselves the bad boys of hockey. Uh, their whole thing was, we're just going to beat the crap out of you. And it was the all, you know, and this was in the early 2000s. And they only lasted for two seasons and they were really successful. Um, it all came crashing down because the dad, for the second time, got hauled in by the FBI on, because he owned. Uh, a huge refuse business in Connecticut. And so you can understand he was, you know, backed by the mob. (laughs) So it was great. It was great. There was so much good stuff in it. And at the end of, by the end of the documentary, you're really like, 
you know, okay, so he's picking up garbage and he's paying players under the. I mean, come on, they did a lot of good for this. Well, season. I know you saw Pony Excess, right? With the oh, thirty by thirty about um, Eric Dickerson and those guys. Yeah, the uh, SMU. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. This was similar to profession. You know, bags of cash and stuff. It was just fantastic because it reminded me of From college. No. I did oh. not get bags of cash. Um, but it reminded me of kind of like sports in the 70s, like some of those minor league teams, uh, you know, when they were independent teams and, and they had Maverick kind of owners and stuff and did crazy stuff. It was it was really good. Which, I say Danbury, Connecticut, I, I we got to talk about something else going on in Connecticut. Get it? Mm-hmm. I, I, got, I got a message last night from a former guest, so the people that listen to the paranormal part of the podcast might remember like the like he's a sort of a celebrity chef on the east coast mark vashita vashito i'm butchering his last name but he was a guest had a great story about when him and his wife uh, then wife lived out in roswell and men in black and some haunted st- i mean he, he had some great stories but he is opening a restaurant called seven napkins uh, the little tagline, it's howling good. So it's got a, uh, like a werewolf thing and it's in, um, East Lyme, Connecticut. I think it's opening in about two weeks. So, so he sent me a message. He sent me the, uh, the menu and do you want to tell him what's on the menu? One of the signature sandwiches. No, I want you to tell him. One of the signature sandwiches is called the Ozark Howler. And it's specifically in honor of you. How does that make you feel? That now, I'm gonna let's. I'm gonna tell what the Ozark Howler is. It sounds pretty good. It's pulled pork, smoked gouda, mac and cheese, and a jal- and jalapeno. And it's it is recommended because it sounds kind of uh, juicy to be eaten in a wrap. And I I'm I'm kind of impressed that you. Um, well, I, a sandwich I, made named sounds after good too. I'm wondering how he knew what I ate without calling me. I mean, it just how did how did he know? He's a, maybe he's I'm a giving up too much. Hmm? So he's a professional, and he Mark's a great guy. He's um, um, we tried some hot sauce. He made some Ozark Holler hot sauce that we had. I sent some to you, right? You got some? No, you didn't send me any. Nope. I, you guys took it all in Ohio. Wait it, never gets, it never makes it past the Ohio River. Any any <laughs> package, I you guys got, you know, you guys got all kinds of stuff, and I don't get nothing out here. Uh, well, anyways, Mark Mark said he was done with fine dining, and now he's doing fun dining. So, um, just the name of the sandwiches. He's got the Beast of Bray Road, which is essentially the Dog Man. He's got the Albuquerque Turkey, the Philadelphia Experiment, which is. Paranormal yeah, I love it. Remember yeah. that? That's when they tried to. I totally remember. They say yeah. it really happened, didn't it? For seconds, like the ship, the battle, the battleship disappeared. Disappeared. Yeah, a sloppy chupacabra. Now, I'm not. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> He's got a Jersey Devil. I knew a girl like that. <laughs> the sloppy chupacabra. <laughs> yeah, I think I knew. Or or, or 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 a Jersey Devil. Um, both of them. Yeah, I knew both of them. How about this? He's got Thank a goonie. He's got a goonie goo goo. Well, a uh, callback to the Eddie Murphy. Uh, sure. Your your wife's a 
your wife's a Bigfoot, Gus. She's a goo- she said Goonie Goo Goo. Now they have a great breakfast menu, which supposedly is going to have something called uh, Shane's corned beef and hash. After he's he's gonna he's gonna do it in my honor, apparently because I I'm a big big corned beef and hash person. So right. Um, we're gonna send him some merch. We're gonna send him some assigned uh, um, picture so they can put it up on the wall. And I was just I, out there. Had I I I, w- I wouldn't mind seeing him. Had I, I thought about it. Had I known. I think, I'd, I, I think we got to make. I think we got to make a trip. So yeah, I'm ready so, for any kind of reason. I just I went to Chicago over the weekend, so I'm ready to go. I think I think what we're going to do is we're going to send some coffee mugs out there, some, some from the shadows coffee mugs, and we'll have one each for who for the first fan of the podcast that eat first one that eats an Ozark Howler sandwich gets his picture taken. We'll have Mark give him a give him a coffee mug. And then the first person that eats a uh, Shane's corned beef and hash, um, we'll have them give them a coffee mug to them. How about that? That sounds I think good. it's a great idea. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what they're going to be known for, and I had no idea what this is, and I'm sorry if this is making everybody listening hungry, but you're going to want to go and Google a steamed cheeseburger. I had no idea what that was. But I Googled it. He told me to look it up. There is this small bar out there. I think it's in Connecticut also that does, that's famous for these steamed cheeseburgers. So they have these steam cabinets. And it's a little square. They put the beef in and they steam it instead of frying it or anything. And then they put a block of cheese in this little square and it melts the cheese. They steam the cheese. I tell you what, it is amazing it looks amazing i cannot wait to actually go and try mark's version of that so i'm totally hungry now and i and you know what i did i smoked a i smoked a uh rump i seen that how did it turn out today you know it turned out fantastic but here's the problem okay is whenever i make something like that christy really wants stuff and I'm going to say it overdone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I, you know, and me and her dad, we like it how it's supposed to be. Her and her mom like stuff Just overdone. cooked enough. Just cooked to where it's reached the right temperature. And it's, I, I cooked that for, I don't know how long, four or five hours. Okay. It hadn't quite reached the temperature before we had to leave. So we put it in, wrapped it in tin foil, pulled it out, it looked fantastic. Put it in the oven. It cooked. For another two hours in the juice in the oven, okay, it's like two twenty-five. Pull it out, it was unbelievable. I sliced it up. She still took half of it, put it back in the juice, put it back in the oven at three twenty-five. I'm like, what yeah. are you doing? She goes, well, I just want it to, I just want it to fall apart. And I'm like, you know, okay. I, I guess when that's you get married next year. Next year, that's the plan. June. Well, that 2nd. gives you plenty of time to, to uh, either train her up or <laughs> I've trade just, her in. One or the other. If you can't get the bugs worked out, <laughs> I'm just, I'm excited. Listen, if that's the worst thing that we have that we, that we, you know, go back and forth about, then I'm okay with it. 
because I don't, I don't, I don't uh, smoke meat that much. <laughs> but this is why, because I, <laughs> when I get it to where I want to eat it, then I, you know, it's still got to be cooked another couple hours. But uh, it's good thing she doesn't listen, because she'd be like, "Oh, really?" <laughs> she'd have something to say. Well, hey, I welcome it. No, we're not. We're not going. Like I told the, like I told the guy, um, Ryan, who wanted you to just say whatever you felt like, rather than. I can't. You know, you, know, you know what? Tell him. I'm. You know, we might. I don't know. I said. We'll think about that on the. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I said we don't want to. We don't want to go into that dark abyss. Yeah. Did you tell him I'm like a child? that's <laughs> been around the world with. I'm a child with 50 years experience, and and and. I think you and just did. I think he, you just did. And, and, and this thing could go off the rails any second. I mean, I'm walking a tightrope every time I call. <laughs> I couldn't even get Skype to load up. You know, it's typical, right? I, I go to turn on. I, you text me and say, you ready? I was about to get in a swimming pool. And I thought, well, maybe instead of getting in the pool, I'll just do the <laughs> well, podcast. <laughs> right. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. And, uh... I come down here and and turn on Old Faithful here, and it tells me um, I got to update, you know, and then I got to restart, and and it updates, it restarts, it opens three windows, it won't work, and it's like, dude, you're texting me, you're calling me, it's ringing on my iPhone, and I'm like, how come the iPhone never updates? Maybe it does. It does. I mean, it does in the middle of the night. I got to set up for automatic, I guess, but I'm like, dude. So I'm I might have to send the old black mare off to off to the pasture because the old Dell is I'm putting the Dell off. This is my last podcast on the Dell. Oh boy. Yep. Oh boy. Um I I never I never got a follow up. How did the concrete go? It's hard. <laughs> so it so it got done. It's it's mm-hmm. it. It's all right. There's a couple places a little rougher than I wanted because the way the sun comes down afternoon is on the, the 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 peak of my house shaded some right mm-hmm. so so the the out at the edge that was in the sun was drying faster than up by the house so when i come to broom the broom looks real good at the last four feet but the first six feet's a little rough but i could i had to do something because it was getting too hard in the sun does that make sense yeah yeah no. You don't even know what I'm talking about, but concrete guys will know. I know. I know what you're talking about. So, and I shoot, my brother broomed it and I watched him and I thought, I watched how rough it was. I thought, you know, I'd mag this off and rebroom it. I'd just broom the sunny part now and then just wait and do the other part. You know, I had about three things in my head I could do and, and I didn't because I was, it was 85 and I was hotter than hell and. And I thought, you know, I'm just driving on it, right? Maybe a little rougher will keep me from sliding through the garage doors if it's snowy or something. <laughs> well, look, I'm glad you're satisfied. You were a little, you were a little, um, a little frustrated last week, you know? Yeah, well, I'm frustrated. You know, I tell you, I had a bad day. I, I, I was in a foul mood this, 
today. And uh, it was, uh, I don't know. Uh-huh. <laughs> is, there a reason, is there a reason you were found? The only thing I can think of, and I don't know, I had my garage door spring break back in the last, around my birthday, the last few days of January. Okay. And as anybody that's ever messed with a manual garage door, they don't open when the spring breaks, right? Because the weight of the oh, yeah. door is too much. Mm-hmm. I went to Menards and because of the COVID manufacturing predicament that this country has put itself in, they didn't have the exact same one. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, I'll just get a heavier one better. You know what I mean? I look at it like an engine in a truck, right? I'll just get a bigger one. Well, then that some bitch swung my garage door up so fast that the cable <laughs> slipped off the track. So <laughs> I'd take it apart, <laughs> box it back up, try to go get returned to Menards. And I get a lighter one. It won't last lifted about a halfway. So anyway, I was on my ladder. When my brother called to tell me that he had found my other brother uh, uh, dead. So I, I, I left all my tools in this step ladder. You know, I got a fancy ladder with the, the top. It's, you know, I can. Yeah, like a, like a toolbox. Yes. Yeah. So. Not that I would, not that I'd ever be caught on a ladder or using tools. but that's It has remained unfixed. So. A week ago, when I was going to pour that concrete, one of us needed to be, because I poured right up to my garage doors, somebody needed to be in the garage door. So I opened the garage door with my floor jack, and I said to myself, maybe I should close a few loops. And and so I went to, um, I got on YouTube, and I watched this guy say hey this is get your old garage door measure this your spring take some measurements do this do this this is the wire diameter you need this is the length you need this is how to do you know what i mean and he walked me through the whole process and i watched the video in the menards parking lot with my old spring in the back of my truck i jumped out i took the measurements i did the calculations i come up with the numbers what i thought i needed I walked in there, and out of the 85 garage door springs Menards had, they only had one. Okay. And it was exactly what I needed by what the YouTube guy, his his math says I need. Right? So you should feel good about so that, So it was right? meant to be. So I got it. So yeah. then I went up to Chicago, watched my son graduate from Navy basic training. And All right. Congratulations. I came home right. yesterday and <clears throat> this morning I was trying to figure out what circles I was going to close. I was either going to finish rebuilding my kid's four-wheeler for the second time this year or I was going to fix my garage door. I did something before I fixed the garage door, but it escapes me now. So I think it was the fact that I was on that ladder. And subconsciously, it was linked up because all the the nuts and bolts, all this stuff was still sitting there from the day when my brother passed away. Does that make sense? So it took you back to that day. Yes, I think that's the only thing I can think of why I would be in a foul mood because I really have no reason to be in a foul mood, if you want me to be honest with you. 
rich. I'm successful. Good looking. Good young. Well, Still pretty young. Certainly. Pretty young. Well, counts. I am. What? Well, <laughs> well, well. If it makes you feel any better, better. You know, we the last episode we talked about. You know, we complained about getting old, and so I went out Monday morning on the mail route. Yep. And uh, and I mean, I wasn't even a half hour into it, and I was on this kind of like main street that I do. And, uh, you know, the post office is always pushing you. They want you to ha- be mail ready. Box ready is what they call it. You That's get to what that they next call it? Box ready? Box ready. So when you get to that next box, you have the mail already ready for that house. And you can put it right in, turn around, and get to the next. So being box ready means you, ha- as you're walking, you have to be looking at the mail. Okay. And so I turned around. I mean, I've gone up and down these people's steps. I don't know. 3,000 times uh, in, in my career. I don't know. Lot, lots. Okay. And, uh, and I missed the next to last step going down those steps. And so I fell, however far that is, way too far, landing shoulder and knee first on the sidewalk. I couldn't even, I didn't even have time to catch myself because in my bag, a lot of mail on Monday, but were these godforsaken Uline catalogs. You know, you know who the Uline catalog is? Yeah, they still give them out? Oh, my God. It, they're so heavy. I had three of them. They're so heavy. It's like a hand reached out of the, reached out of the step as I'm falling and just yanked on my bag because of those catalogs. I stood no chance. So I land shoulder first on my bad shoulder. And knee first, like I, it took down to the white on my knee, like it, ri- like however many layers of skin are on my. So knee. did you finish your route, or? Oh yeah, I mean I went to the. Of course you did. Mm-hmm. They yeah. punk you out. That's why. Yeah. And, so what did postmaster? You did a you did a CA one. No, they don't. No, I didn't. I just I later on the day I, I was bleeding down my leg and I got a band aid at the yeah. Plumbing and heating place on my route that was getting they got the catalogs. You know, it was the least they could do to <laughs> they gave me panty because it was their catalogs that, you know. Um, if I don't have the catalogs, I might catch myself or a, a little bit, but I had no chance. And and I just gotten, you know, I just got my shoulders feeling good and my legs feel, feeling good from uh from our drive to South Carolina. So I was feeling good as best I'd felt in a while. And uh, it just boom like that, and and I just land there as I'm laying there on that sidewalk going, and I'm just mad, not because I fell, but I'm like, I I do not want to get hurt, hurt doing this job. <laughs> that would just oh, it'd be so frustrating if I you know hurt myself permanently in any way, shape, or form, um, because of Uline catalogs on a Monday. There you go. Now, what was funny is only one person was driving by and saw that happen. Um, Did they stop and ask if you're okay? No, heavens no, heavens no. But I used to I used to deliver mail on a much busier street that went into town and had really steep steps. And uh, oh, I mean, I wiped out numerous times on ice, and then you'd always run into somebody later on. Hey, I saw you fall. I saw you fall. You okay? you know, it's like, but you didn't stop and ask me if I was okay. 
So there you go. So all week I've 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 tried to get my back and shoulders into place and and my knees still uh raw like a like a uh I don't know. Like a what? I don't even know. I don't even know what it can compare it to. But uh so there. There you go. There's it can always there's... be worse, right? You know, I think that's what I think that's what's wrong with America today, right? They don't understand it could always be worse. Yes, because you know, I was I was I was at my grandma's birthday a couple weeks ago and I was sitting across from Bobby Hartman that we had talked about. Mm-hmm. And he was telling his mom and and one of his uncles, right? They were sitting there, you know, you know, t- talking about everything. And he was talking, and here's here's a guy that's in his seventies, has done a lot of stuff, but he's got some cancer late in life. And he starts talking about going to the VA and meeting a guy in a wheelchair, you know, that's got a young guy because they think it's from them burn pits or whatever, you know, that's got you know thirty five year old guy with twice the cancer he has. Oh yeah, he, you isn't that the 20, isn't that the thing they wanted to try to get coverage for or something and got voted down or yeah something. i don't you know there's so many things just let's not go there because yeah i just want I, i'll I run this son of a bitch right off the track if we start talking about politicians and politics in the world okay because we'll i mean i'm just talking about burn this thing will go i'm just talking about burn yeah but you said they voted and the term they the words they and voted together to me Gives me the shakes, right? Because yes. these people, you know, this hey. country is governed by a bunch of people that can't freaking mm-hmm. wind to watch. Remember. And I've got nothing against incompetence and drunks. I'm related to a lot of them. I got a lot of them as friends, but they shouldn't be running the country, right? Remember, it could always be worse. <laughs> well, it's getting there. This thing's going. And and I just wish if they're going to crash this thing, Hurry up and do it while I'm alive because I ain't got better skill sets than my kids and my neighbors. But so Bobby's talking about somebody with worse cancer, and then this good-looking girl he's with over there in her th- early thirties who lost her arm from the elbow down in a Humvee that got bombed, IED, you know. And oh. and his point was here was a guy that's let's just be honest in the sunset of his life. Yeah, he's lived a hard life. And he's lived a hard, crazy life, mm-hmm. and and he still sees sunshine, right? He's got yeah. his 90, 85-year-old mother, 90-year-old mother, 95-year-old mother. Now, I think about 92, 93. If he's 72, she was 20 when she was, he's got a, he's, he's, he's riding with his 92-year-old mother to a birthday party, right? <laughs> Where an Elvis impersonator <laughs> is going to be on stage, so... That itself should soften even the hardest man, right? Okay. You would think. You would think, yeah. But he's he's still seeing sunshine, baby, because he says somebody's always got it worse, don't they? No matter how bad you think it is, somebody's always got it worse. So, and I thought that about that a bunch this week because that's what's missing in the world today. Mm-hmm. Because think people, everybody thinks you're getting screwed. I'm getting screwed. Somebody's screwing me. You know, somebody's not paying my student loans or somebody's not doing this or somebody's not doing dude it could always be so much worse 
Yeah, you are right on. You're right on. I tell one of the clerks at the post office he complains about something. I forget what it is, and I would say, you know what, man? I said, if that's the worst thing that happens to you today, you're doing all right. You know, somebody puts a tub where it's not supposed to be. And, you know, and that just irritates him. And I'm like, if that's the worst thing that happens, you're doing all right. You know, you the one putting the tub up there. Yeah, I am. Yeah, and that's why. That's I'm okay. telling, that's why I'm I like it. <laughs> that's I, tell I like it. Yeah, you know, that's the worst. But you're right. It can always be worse. And that's a hard thing to tell. Like, you know, it's a hard thing to tell, especially kids. Well, especially. Be worse. Yeah. And especially kids that had had. A lot of st- yeah, who haven't had a lot of suffering. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but look, that's that's my kid. That's my two of my daughters. That, I mean, my son that. was day and night, and I'm not saying that Navy boot camp was easy, you know, but it's probably not known to be as hard. In the Navy boot camp in the 2022 is not known for being, you know, freaking Guantanamo Bay in in 2003, but. He was growing up. I mean, he's he he's he he's he. Not that he was bad to start off with, but that kid is 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 changed man. You know what I mean? For you, got the, week, you got you got ten the week summer camp made him yeah. a changed man. <laughs> got the results you desired, right? I don't know if he desired him. He was telling his mother how well, productive the, he was. The results you desired. You he said he had never he had never he ten weeks without his phone. He had never been so productive in his life. He's going to try to keep these skill sets the rest of his life, he said. Ooh, how long do you think that'll last? I'd say the next he's in another school. He 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 graduated at noon on Friday, and he flew to Virginia Beach at 730 for the next school on Saturday morning. So for 13 weeks, I think it'll it'll work. And then after that, who knows, you know, he just who 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 who. Well, I hope I hope he I hope he uh, I hope he does well. So I hope he does well. I think it, I think there's a lot of people that would uh, benefit from. from well, I tell you what. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, that's what I was going to say. I don't even know where. I mean, this is a whole another episode. We talk about the kids that that I saw the families that I saw at his graduation. I mean, some of these kids. I mean, this is the biggest, best thing that's ever happened to them. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. Yeah, and, I'm sure. Probably some of them. It's it's the first time. Well, hey, I'll I'll tell you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell yeah. you a story here. You want to hear a story? Let's go. Okay. I pull. I stayed at the Navy Lodge, which is on the you know on a post there, and I don't really call it a real post because they don't keep you out like they do at like Fort Leonard Wood. But whatever. I'm staying at the Navy Lodge, and I'm getting up to go over here to get in line to go to graduation. So they open the gates at six thirty. Everybody's got to be seated by eight. They open the outside gates to the parking lots at six thirty. They open the doors to the facility at seven thirty. Everybody's got to be seated in their seat eight forty five because the thing starts at nine, I think, or however it was. Right. So I mean, this thing's got. I mean, down to the minute, right? They got a little deal. It's on your ticket. You know, you had to in order to get there, you had to register early. They ran. A, criminal history check you had to have your covid vaccines you had to have all good stuff so um i'm jumping i'm you know i'm cruising in my one of these guys was already railing on me for f-150 
I'm going to call it my wife's F-150 because I bought it for her. But anyway, I'm cruising in my F-150 XLT Lariat, making a turn toward the venue. And I'm I'm within two miles of the venue, right? So this is we're all congested. So when I say when I'm pulling out of the hotel head in this thing, I'm within a couple of miles, right? Well, yeah. they sell all this paraphernalia you can sign up for. Like you can get a like a like an anchor with your kid's name and class on it. There's all this all this trinkets, right? Challenge coins and t-shirts and all this stuff, right? And uh, I look across the thing there, and there's an old Mexican woman walking up, and it's a, it's two lanes in both directions with a turn lane in the middle, so it's five lanes of street, right? Chain link fence and government buildings on both sides, and here's this woman carrying this anchor this blue anchor like jesus carrying the cross headed to mount moriah or wherever you know what i mean mm-hmm. he she is puffing and puffing up this hill and a little bit further ahead of her is a younger mexican gal and a little kid and they're looking over their shoulder to see if grandma's catching up to them and they're just huffing and a puffing and the traffic is starting to back up. It's all these people in the right-hand turn lane. There's two miles worth of stops because of the stop signal and all this other stuff. And my wife says, you think they want, you think they're going the same place we are? And I said, I don't know. She said, we've well, got Navy uh, anchor there. I think we should pick him up. And I said, oh, I guess. So I put my window down and I said, Grandma, Grandma. And she stopped and she turned and she's, she started saying some shit in Spanish. She's telling me she can't speak English. And I said, you want to ride? And she understood that. So she hollered at the other two, and, and I told them to meet me at the corner. I jumped in the turn lane, and anyway, they didn't meet me at the corner. They ran across the street. She hobbled, and they got in the back of this pickup line. So now I got these three people, and I'm trying to talk to them about where you're going, where you're headed, where they're going to graduate. They're, you know, they're showing me this anchor with this – Hispanic kid's name on it or whatever. And here, you know, you just ride with us. So I had to fight my way back over to the right turn lane and get in there and you're jacking around. And they finally opened the gate. The The dude that worked at the hotel said, Hey, they don't open the gates to six 30. I wouldn't leave this hotel till six 30. Because he said, people will start lining up at five 30 and the gates don't open. He said, once they open up, they'll let them in pretty quick. So why would you sit there an extra hour? And it made perfect sense to me. But my old lady couldn't process that. If people are waiting at 530, we ought to be waiting at 530. <laughs> we, we wasn't. We was waiting about 610 or whatever. But all that's to say is this. So I'm going and walk driving this government facility. Very reminiscent of the government facilities I worked in, right? Giant warning signs that say active barrier and barricade in use. That's the things that come out of the ground, stops your car. The fences can close and stop your car. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. You got all kinds of stuff. These dudes are out there. I don't even know. Some of them were contractors or Navy police, shore patrol, MPs, whatever. You know, some of them were in uniform. Some of them were in like BDU pants and in bulletproof vests. All of them had bulletproof vests and pistols and M4 rifles and all this crap. And I get up there and this kid goes, I need to see your your ID and your tickets. So I handed my ID and ticket and my old lady's ID and ticket. They open out in the back door for them and they throw out these Mexican passports. 
they're not even U.S. citizens. And she was trying to explain that to me driving up that the little kid, Diego, that's what he said his name was. And I was thinking, dude, you got named after a cartoon? Like Dora, wasn't her right-hand man, Diego? Something like that. Something like that, yeah. So anyway, they hit the they hit the fucking foreign <laughs> button, and they say they start yelling foreign passport, foreign passport, and, and then they, he goes, "You gotta stop right here. You gotta go over there." And then you know they got the big truck X-ray machine. They got dogs. They got a big mirrors underneath. You know, so I gotta go over there and get. I didn't get rough handled too bad, but. They took them old ladies and Mexicans out of my, the grandma and the daughter out of the bed, backseat of my truck. And they started to take Diego and the MP goes, how old are you? And, you know, he gets out 11 and she says, well, you stay here. And they took grandma and mom away with their Mexican passports. And I'm sitting here with this Hispanic kid in the back. <laughs> I'm not now. I waited in line early for nothing because everybody behind me is getting in front of me because I'm over here in the fucking foreign line. <laughs> I look back at Diego and I said, if your parents don't come back, you're going to be on roof next week, buddy. I hate to do it to you, but you know, that's the way it is where I'm from. And, uh, a little bit later, they, they brought grandma and this and, and mom back and they still can't speak any English and put them in bed in my truck, back in my truck and drove through the gate. I had to recircle. And then they said, blue trucks good and drive in there and, and so then, at, so we are in this big thing, the Navy band plays, and all this stuff goes, pomp and circumstance, all this stuff's happening. Remember that anchor that they were carrying? Yep. When we parked, they didn't know if they could carry it inside, so they wanted to put it in the parking garage in front of my truck between the bumper and the, and the wall. And, and it's not a cute little thing. And I said, well, just put it in the bed of the truck. And if we get, when you get done, you can take it out. If we get done early, I'll take it out and set it here. So needless to say, after the thing, I met my truck about the same time. I'm, I take it out and I put it up against the wall. I'm backing out of the parking lot and here Diego and mom comes. So I tell them, Hey, the cross, the things right there where you guys go and blah, blah, blah. Where's grandma? She's down there in the back. What are y'all doing now? Well, we need a ride. So all these kids, when they're graduating, they get out, but then they go through these big doors and then they meet the families over this thing about 400 yards away. If you cut through the parade ground, but if you go around the outside, it's a mile, a mile, you know what I mean? On the street. So I got, so I got Diego and mom in the back of the, see the truck again and, and I said, you can just, I'll just give you right over there. Well, now we got to find grandma. Where's she at? She's over there on the bench. What bench? And, there, and, and I'm, this, is, I'm, this is a condensed version, right, of, of charades, right? This is like Rand McNally charades in Spanish. And so finally I drive out of the parking garage and I drive over to a curb. And then they, she kept saying, well, she says, well, it's by the, the, the American flag. And then she points at this. This anchor she's got, and it's got the Navy symbol in the middle. It's by the Navy, by this. I said, the Navy flag? Yeah, she's between the American flag and the Navy flag. Well, when you look out across the parade ground, how many of them do you think I saw? A uh, hundred. At least. <laughs> so did you find Grandma? 
Yes, I left him in the truck. I left the truck running. I said, well, I guess we'll go find him. My old lady went one direction, and she's calling me, texting me, saying, I can't find Grandma. I'm over here. And I said, you think? Why do you think I stayed here? Why aren't you going to get out and help me? I said, I guess. I got a truck running air conditioning on because it's hot. And I said, well, I said, if you go anywhere, lock it up. And I left these two Hispanic, I mean, non one of them non-U.S. citizens in my rig, found Grandma, had to get her in the truck and drive around, around parade ground. Mm-hmm. So you, so you got out looking for Grandma, left your truck running with Diego at a, at a nine. His mother. I don't, yeah. His mother. And they could have just got in, took your truck, picked the son up from graduation and all They could have. I don't know. They were in the back seat. I'm not for sure. Because I was trying to, when did you get here? Well, we flew in from San Diego. They're from Tijuana. They flew in from San Diego at 4 a.m. And made it all the way to the, uh, made it all the way to the graduation. And then they were. You know, doing whatever they're doing, and in anyway, yeah. Well, you know, you, it could always be worse, right? I, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I could be like them, right? I could be stumbling around Mexico trying to speak English and and find my kid mm-hmm. with an anchor. With an anchor, that's right. With an anchor. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the From the Shadows podcast. Until next time, never shy away from the darkness or what may be lurking in the shadows. We are out. <laughs> God only knows what's happening.